Hi, I'm Jeremy Simon with 3D Universe, and welcome to another episode of 3D Universe Untethered. Today, my guest is Kyle von Haslin, who is the CEO of both Sugar Lab and Current 3D. And these are two organizations that are using their own custom-designed culinary 3D printers to create amazing works of art that are fully edible. And they're also helping some of the world's leading chefs take their art to a whole new level. Kyle, welcome to the show. Uh, very good to be here. Thanks for the introduction. So uh, maybe we could just start with uh, a little bit of a background for yourself. Um, I, if it's okay with you, I'm going to do a little screen sharing today. I thought it might be nice to look through your website Perfect. and kind of talk about yeah. some of the things on there. But before I do that, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, um, and maybe tell us about the relationship between these two organizations, Current 3D and yeah, SugarLab, sure. and yeah. we'll go from there. Yeah. Okay, cool. So... Um, yeah, I'm Kyle Haslin, and uh, I live in Ojai, California. The headquarters of the company are in downtown Los Angeles, California. That's where the company was founded as well. Um, the company began um, about uh, 10 years ago. I was a graduate student in architecture. I was fascinated by 3D design and rapid prototyping. And rather than focusing on building homes or buildings uh, as a graduate student, I really focused my thesis and all of my research work on rapid prototyping and digital design and the interplay between the two. And um, I ran a small business um, as a graduate student in architecture, and I would print 3D models for my fellow graduate students. This was the time when MakerBot first came into the scene and, and desktop 3D printers were kind of first available, uh, maybe around like 2012. Um, so things were really changing, especially for students and in the education space, people had access to 3D printing for the first time. And that was really influential to me. And uh, I began as a hobbyist using uh, FDM, extrusion 3D printers, but I quickly, um, I wanted to kind of hack and play with the machines and retrofit them. And what I would do is find uh, professional 3D printers that were maybe like 20 years old and affordable and I could get them into my basement and then play with them. And so as an architecture student, I was interested in 3D printing with sawdust and ceramic and cement. And I tried sugar actually kind of as a lark because I thought, well, this would be really inexpensive if sugar 3D prints well. <laughs> and I wasn't a foodie, so it took me months to really come back to the project. And I realized, wow, what would it be like to make this food and system entirely food safe? And could I, be, could I start a design firm, a 3D design firm, for chefs. Could they call us up, ask for a certain design, we would design it and 3D print it and deliver it to them, like cake frosting that was elaborately <laughs> beautiful for a wedding. And we, uh, my partner and I, Liz and I, my wife and I started the company and we had no idea if it would work. In fact, we thought maybe it won't work. It's a little, it's a little out there, but pastry chefs the world over gravitated to the technology. They were very enthralled with the idea. And that was important for us to see that motivation, to see professionals and people at the top of their game really understand the technology. And in many ways, they understood the technology and the potential for it better than we did. And they really pointed the way toward innovation, um, the kinds of innovation we would need to do in the company to make the tech really relevant to the food space. And so they've always been like a guidepost for us. Um, so that's how the company got started. Um, Current 3D is our parent company, and that is the name of the company that does, um, you know, uh, all of the B2B work. So 
because we own this 3D printing technology, we invented it and developed it, you know, beginning 10 years ago to today when it's commercially available. Um, we can manage 3D printed food projects for other groups, or we can help those groups use the technology inside of their own kitchens. And that's the current 3D part of the business. And it's the biggest part of the business actually. And then Sugar Lab is our experiential retail brand, and that helps consumers find the technology um, and be able to, you know, just reach out. And I think for the first time, really get 3D printed food and have it delivered out to them at home. And um, we have a custom section on the site called Sugar Lab Pro. And so if you're hosting a party or an event, we can help you design something custom and deliver it for that event, whether you need 50, um, pieces of candy or maybe 2000, we can do that. That's very cool. And what a smart business model. Cause it does seem like the, those, those pastry chefs that are at the top of their game, like you mentioned, they're, they're going to be looking to do something unique that nobody else has been able to do. And what a perfect solution for that. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the great part about that is that, um, we get to work with them, but we also like inherit, inherit all of the ideas and motivations that they have and we can kind of build them into the company right they really they really showed us that 3d printing not just with sugar but with fruit powders could mm. be really important in terms of flavoring and making these cool new experiences they helped us understand that the 3d prints weren't just to be eaten but could also be dissolved into a drink or a cocktail rapidly and that was a completely wide open space and yeah. so um, you know, chefs are like a third of our company in terms of employees, and they're just absolutely critical to the future of the company. All the innovation really comes from them. That's great. Now, you mentioned that part of the, the business that the parent company is involved with is helping to get some of these uh, culinary uh, folks set up in their own kitchens to do this type of work. Does that mean that you're actually uh, helping them get the hardware and everything that they need to be able to do this kind of printing in-house? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so if you are a company, I mean, um, I think we're all familiar and your audience will be familiar with service bureaus, like mm -hmm. something like Shapeways or many other local service bureaus. And they, they provide a really important service um, across the board for whatever kind of 3D printing that you're interested in. And we operate as a service bureau in that same way. And um, <clears throat> there's this kind of pathway where obviously 3D printing food is so new that very few people have expertise in it. Even companies that have very high expertise, either in 3D design or in food, still need a hand with one component or the other. So as a service bureau, we're able to offer them um, a complete service by designing that 3D food product that they're interested in, and then 3D printing it for them and delivering them. And that tends to be like the earliest stage for them, a kind of pilot project or, um, even a real uh, SKU that's yeah. at a supermarket somewhere. And then um, as they become familiar with the concept and uh, they can start to really picture how to merge it into their logistics, we help them do that. Um, first by, of course, helping them acquire the, the 3D printers and actually put it on the kitchen floor, but also how to operate them and have good practices with their local health department, how to have good uptime with the, with the products and how to reliably 3D print day after day, and day after day, um, thousands and thousands of parts. So that's one really interesting component of what we do in the food space. Typically when we think of 3D printing, a lot of prototypes, it might be one off or 10 off, um, or maybe a hundred components. 
But in the food space, we're always after lots and lots because everybody is eating multiple times a day and events need lots of food. And so um, repeatability and reliability and QA are a really important component. And that's something that we can provide as that service bureau entity at Current3D. Mm, makes sense. And, and that service bureau approach definitely seems like it, it provides a good on-ramp for people that, that may want to get into this, but like you said, might not have that skill set yet. They might not fully understand some of the ins and outs, and, and that seems like you give them a nice way to dip their toes in, see what they can do with it, see the value it provides before really diving in. So that's, uh, that's, that's very smart. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and share my screen because there's so much good stuff on your websites and I want to talk through some of that if you don't mind. So please hold that up here. So we should be seeing the Sugar Lab site now. Are you seeing that? Mm -hmm. Okay, excellent. So I thought it might be nice to start here. You have a really nice statement on your about page here that I'd I'd like to ask you to maybe talk a little bit more about. It says the Sugar Lab is the world's first true digital bakery run by a small team of rogue chefs, architects turned designers, and tech geeks in East Los Angeles, our chefs imagine, our designers model, and our kitchen 3D prints. I really liked that introduction. And I, you already you already covered a lot of that, but just uh, talk to me about those different elements of your, of your process and how they work together, the chefs and the designers and the people doing the actual printing. Are these different people on your team usually? Yeah, they are different people. Um, they really are different people. Yeah, it's kind of three groups. Um, Tech geeks is, I'm kind of softening, softening maybe the word engineers, that's what they would say. <laughs> but engineers, chefs, and um, designers are really the, the three components. And so to say a little bit more about our day-to-day operations, um, we have a uh, commercial kitchen in downtown Los Angeles. We have six 3D printers there right now, and we're looking to expand to about 15 3D printers mm. over the course of uh, the next quarter. So we're growing really rapidly. And in order to support a service bureau like that, um, these three um, uh, kinds of personalities or um, like characteristics are really important. Um, beginning with engineering, because we uh, deliver um, this hardware and help consumers or, or help customers manage that hardware on their commercial kitchen floor. We need to be able to service the 3D printer. We need to be able to help the manufacturer um, correct any um, issues that come up in production. And so engineers are um, in charge of the entire tech system, hardware and software from beginning to end. And that's a continuous project, a process, and we uh, are always improving that. And then our, um, our design team is really the, the, the group that many customers interact with. Um, if you call us up because you're hosting a party or an event or you're creating a new food product, then you're gonna be speaking with one of our 3D designers. And in our case, they all have a architecture background. And that's be- just happens to be because my background is in architecture. So mm-hmm. when I go back and hire, I really think about designers who um, have done intense 3D modeling, but they've also had to make things real in the physical world in a quick order in rapid prototyping. And that helps. I think there's other 3D designers that are probably really talented and could help us, like maybe a 3D designer for the video game industry. But the architects come with a really good understanding of even some of the like basic things we have to do, which is the objects have to withstand gravity. And that's kind of an architectural um, uh, uh, question in and of itself. You know, yeah. you can print any design, but it has to be robust and strong and uh, 
be able to be handled by customers or handled by chefs or chefs and then customers and shipped those sorts of things. So our architects are, are really uh, important in enabling that. And then there's the chef group. And uh, we have a research chef on staff who's been with us for really the better part of the decade and two or three younger chefs that help uh, run the kitchen that are super talented. Chef Victoria Johnson is really in there day to day, um, making incredible products. She has a pastry chef background and you can see her like online in a lot of the media interviews that we've done, like for Buzzfeed Tasty or something like that. Excellent. Excellent. And so there's, there's a, a bunch of great products here and I'd like to talk through some of these before we get into the specifics on talking about some of the uh, specific things that you offer. What can you tell us about the hardware and the printing process itself? Are, are we talking about like FDM style printing here? Uh, we're not. Yeah, that's the big innovation that I think we were able to bring to the 3D printed food space. So um, as I mentioned, when I was a student, I was using FDM, but I was also using powder printing uh, systems like the old Z Corp 3D printers. And if people remember those Z Corp 3D printers, this is really mm -hmm. the predecessor technology of the technology that we use now. Um, if you're not familiar with them, um, the whole theory there in the powder printing apparatus is that you spread layer after layer of powder, a fine powder, to, to create all of your layers. Um, in our case, it's sugar, but if you're not familiar with powder printing, you could imagine it as a nylon powder or a mm -hmm. metal powder. And then uh, the second operation that happens in the 3D printer is something has to come over the surface and adhere the latest surface you're building to the prior uh, surfaces that were constructed. And in the case of metal, a laser might traverse it. In the case right. of nylon powder, a laser might traverse it. But in our case, um, we get to use jetted water, which is great because it's really reliable and um, it has some other fun characteristics. So our technology is uh, binder over powder is what I hear a lot in the industry. Okay. Um, we use a piezo print head instead of thermal inkjet print heads. And that's because we need to make those print heads food safe and FDA certified and NF cert NSF certified. I see. And this interaction between the piezo print head that's dropping droplets of water onto the surface of dry powder is really what constructs the objects. And because we're printing in powder um, and because we're using a piezo print head, we can do a number of things that FDM can struggle with in some applications. So we can print hundreds of objects simultaneously all adjacent to each other with no time hit to kind of traverse between the objects. We can 3D print with um, full color across the surface as we're seeing here, yep. because the piezo print head is jetting uh, blue, yellow, and uh, green as the color space, blue, yellow, and red, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. as the color space. And um, uh, uh, because the all the loose powder that isn't incorporated into the object is still present as you're 3D printing. That supports the object while yeah. it's being built. And that's a really nice feature of a powder printing system in FDM space, which most people are familiar with, right? The whole um, support apparatus um, can be done really well, or it can be unwieldy in some cases. It can be hard to post-process. In our case, we this is a luxury because um, you can see we can get really fine precision and detail, but the objects can also be hollow. Yes. And having objects that are hollow and highly intricate is really important in the food space. 
Having objects that are very intricate means they can be interlocked or they might crunch or yep. uh, break apart and give you this really precise mouthfeel, which is super fun for chefs to experiment with. Hmm. And the hollow uh, component means they might dissolve quicker, but also they can be paired with real food quickly yes. or non-3D printed food. Um, so pastry chefs love this feature, right? We, we print a lot of vessels, which can be in any shape and have any coloration across the surface, but then they can be filled with a chocolate ganache or a pâte which is like a jello. Um, they can even be filled with um, brownie batter or cake batter, and then you can bake them and it will create a cake bite like we're seeing here with this incredible detailed surface. Mm -hmm. And that, um, I mean, to me, this is like the most exciting thing as, <laughs> And like I, that's an one of the things I wanted to I wanted to ask yeah. you about. Greg. I'm going to go over here to the gift page because I saw something here that kind of blew my mind. Looking at this here, I mean, the scale of that next to what I assume is a coffee mug means mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a pretty small part. And I'm amazed by the detail you're getting, not only on the geometry, but the surface detail of that color printing that you have on the face of this. This watch is just astounding. Is that being deposited through the, the as you're dropping these water droplets, is that color yes. being injected there? Yeah, that's exactly right. We have um, four color channels. The first one is clear, and when we jet clear, um, that just creates a white object because the sugar is white. And okay. then we have the R, Y, and B channels, um, and uh, they're jetting the color, and you can have color mixing at each of those pixels or voxels across the surface and that creates uh, these very realistic images. Um, in this case, we are looking at a rendering, but this surface detail looks almost identical to this. We actually built this rendering engine from scratch uh, inside of Blender to be able to show like the kind of color precision we have. We wanted to make sure it's accurate, so we show the like surface texture, which is a little rough, but we can get Got really it. precise color on the surface of objects. Got it. Now let's go back to this one. Now this is this is a real picture, not a render, right? That's real. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's a better example because here again, I mean, that's really nice detail. If you look at the, the the hearts and the patterns and everything, I mean, this is at a pretty small scale. I assume these are about what three centimeters or so each. Yeah. Um, they yeah three centimeters exactly right. Yeah, they're about three centimeters tall, and yeah. we can probably print fonts down to we definitely print pop fonts down to about like 12 or 14, um, but sometimes down to 10, depending on the orientation and color mm. relationship between the font and the background color. Beautiful. So that kind of font detail at a small scale is a good indication of the precision we have, but also like the branding or messaging capabilities, which is important. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so there's, gosh, there's so much that I, I have questions about, but let's start with, you know, the the nature of these things that you're printing. You alluded to a little bit of this when you talked about getting into some of the stuff that the chefs have helped you to understand, mm -hmm. going beyond just, you know, edibles and things that can be dissolved, which is certainly a, a very interesting angle on this. But as I browse the site, you know, at first I was thinking these are all sort of sugar-based candies. But then, you know, I started to come across things that are, that are you know, a completely different dimension, that are savory type uh, mm -hmm. uh, things. So tell us about these, what are, what are the differences? What are these being made out of and, and how, how did these come into the picture? Sure. Well, you're right that we definitely began as a specialty confections company in a lot of ways. And that's what the name Sugar Lab kind of implies, that historical name. That's 10 years old at this point. But um, yeah, that, what we're looking at here is our bestseller of all time, which is hmm. not a specialty confection and it's um, a savory bouillon. 
So this is a, a kimchi bouillon. It was for our Koreatown collection. One of the things that we're doing on the Sugar Lab brand is kind of taking a virtual tour of LA and we want to go to each of the neighborhoods and build these collections that are really re representative of the communities um, in that area that are um, you know making incredible food locally and so the kimchi or sorry the Koreatown collection features um, kimchi a, a ginger product a yakult product that is the flavor of um, the yakult like um, yogurt um, we have these traditional hungwa candies which are or kind of desserts which are on the front left that we're looking at there, like the multicolored circular objects. Those are traditionally made by hand pressing them into wooden molds. So we copied that aesthetic a little, but we did something that's not possible when in the traditional method, which is they are um, they have that really bold color pattern. Mm -hmm. And then if you turn them over, they're actually kind of um, like a chocolate bonbon because that's a shell, but we actually filled it with um, a banana milk ganache, uh, a sesame ganache, and then a yuzu patafui, which is like a yuzu, which is like lemon, like a lemon jello, essentially. Huh. Um, interesting way to explore new tastes. And I love how you give the the uh, the card that goes with it there. That yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was super that's, fun. That's yeah. Brilliant. Really nice. Our, our lead designer, uh, James Cho, is um, Korean by heritage. So he just had like a blast kind of linking the ideas that we had here deeply into this um, mm. cultural space. And I think like the designers came up with this term when they were doing it, they were like, we want it to be like a little kitschy, like your grandmother would recognize it, but everything will be a little sharper and more fun. And I think they really hit it out of the park. And we got a great reception from the Korean community in Los Angeles. And that was just, really meaningful that the That's technology great. can do so many things in so many spaces. Now, what a great idea. And so you do have plans to do more of these types of uh, kits? Yeah, kits. yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Little Tokyo is on our radar, uh -huh. um, Thai Town, and obviously like um, a Mexican-American kind of uh, food experience would be pretty important in LA. Very, very interesting, very interesting. And uh, so just looking again at what you have here, you kind of broke down sort of four key verticals. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, what your experience has been with each of these, how people are using this? Maybe we start with weddings. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, under the Sugar Lab Pro area that we're looking at here, you know, this is a way for anybody who's a prosumer or consumer, um, you know, maybe you work for um, a corporation and they're having an event and you're tasked with like hosting it or you work for a marketing or PR company you can reach out to us and we can take any of the stock items that you see on Sugar Lab and kind of modify it to um, you know represent your brand or the event or we can design something from scratch uh, designing mm -hmm. something uh, you know mod some modifying something we already ha have costs a hundred dollars uh, doing something from scratch is just two hundred and fifty dollars um, so I think that that's incredibly affordable to create like these pretty amazing and one of a kind designs. Oh, so yeah. one of the reasons we're able to do that is in most cases, we actually keep the 3d design. You can come back and use it again and again, but we may offer it to other guests and sure. kind of modify it for them. And so we are slowly building this library and that's making it affordable for us to design really custom things from scratch. And the wedding space is super important. We've done a few of these wedding toppers like we're showing here, but really for the most part, 
what people are after is um, kind of past desserts, like would be on a tray or wedding favors. A lot of the wedding things that we do are either um, cocktail-based, like a glitter garnish for champagne, okay. or um, a chocolate bonbon that's really specific to the moment, like we're seeing here. I mean, those are those are super popular. What we're and I have another right question about those, but I'll, I'll come sure. back to that because this caught my attention. So you actually have an app that people can use to scan themselves for these cake toppers? Yes, but it's a partner's app. Okay. So um, it's called, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Let me see if I can remember it really quickly. Uh, I'll come back and say the name of the app. They're a super cool company. We shouted them out when we had, were covered by BuzzFeed Tasty. Nice. Um, so it's in the link of that YouTube video, and it'll come back to me in a moment. Uh, sorry, sure. They're called Action Face. Ah, Action okay. Face. So then people can yeah. use that and to you scan themselves. They send that to you, and then you guys can kind of fig deal with the model from there to get it to where yeah, it needs yeah, to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just an informal relationship so far, but they're super cool. And their whole thing is, like, you can download it on iPhone because iPhone does the, like, face scanning. And right. they can use that data to create it. They do one other thing that's so clever, which is a lot of 3D scans, I think, fail. Uh, especially with people, because they they fall into that like uncanny valley of looking a lot like the person, but they're just a little bit strange and they kind of be like disconcerting. But they do something really smart, which is they take all of that data, but they kind of give it this like cartoon vibe. That's right. So you're highly recognizable, but it's not like perfect exactly. And I think that's a super cool idea. It is. And they do that with like uh, sports figures, so you can get yourself as a figurine and plastic. Um, or you know probably gypsum too or something like that yeah it's a you, cool, and you can cool see thing. how that like it's like the body is like a little bit smaller than it should be for the yes head exactly the right grow. right yeah because yeah, it's so hard to like get a perfect scan so then you can just go through and select like your physique and right. the clothes you want to wear for the moment uh even stuff that you might not own so um it's a, they're they're That's really right, ahead yeah. of the curve i think but yeah you're yeah, you're right it kind of it kind of takes care of that uncanny valley effect. That's that's really smart. Yes, I think so too. Yeah. yeah totally. So um, I, I wanted to ask about this. Like, here's an example of, of these, these are chocolate bonbons, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So how? I, what can you tell us about how something like that is done, where you have something that's I assume being piped in? Is that how, is, is it a matter of printing it in halves and then putting it together, or do you pause the print and fill it and then resume the print, or like how how do you get something fully enclosed? Um, it's not fully enclosed, although it sort of looks like it. If you click on that third image, we can actually see a cross section, which I think is a little bit explanatory. So um, we oh. always print a whole, like a whole hollow object, but it has a hole in it. Got it. So an entire object, but then there's a hole on the bottom, effectively. So then our pastry chefs kind of pluck that out of the 3D printer. They have to shake the dust out that's yep, <laughs> inside yep. of it because there'll be sugar in there supporting the object. Right. From there, um, they uh, fill it with chocolate, sometimes a sequence of chocolates. Okay. Um, and um, it can be kind of like a, a pure chocolate, so to speak, which would be like a little bit crunchier or it can be a softer ganache and the ganaches can be flavored really any way you can imagine. And we can do custom ganaches. We do like a s'more ganache, hmm. um, uh, uh, mocha, uh, peppermint mocha. Yeah. A lot of coffee flavors. That sort yeah. Of thing. Yeah. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. Yes. Yeah, so we try to hide that a little bit and we make that whole, like the stable part of the object so that, um, that's the angle that it's supposed to like rest at. That I lets see. us 
kind of create an angle. Sometimes it, we can make the object look lifted up. In the case of those lattes, like if you were to turn that latte over, there's not a paper looking bottom to it. It's just chocolate. I see. Okay. That explains yep. it. Brilliant. So that's kind of the tell when you, when you um, are wondering like how it's created, if you were holding it, you'd be able to tell. Yes. Okay. Uh, I might have to order one of these peppermint mochas. That looks really good. <laughs> uh, so gifting, um, is this uh, corporate gifting? Okay. Is that, is that been a, a, a big part of your business uh, recently? Cause these look like, I would, I would think these are very appealing to organizations putting on big events and wanting to do something unique. Uh, these look really nice. Yeah, this is a huge part of our business and it's a growing part. Um, a lot of our clients, corporate clients that come to us are hosting events, typically kind of like for employees. So these will be like in a swag bag for a, gr a group of employees that are getting together. Okay. Yeah. A lot of times they're celebrating like an anniversary of the company. So it might say the name of the company and the anniversary that they're celebrating. And typically the shapes are like some meaningful shape the company where we are doing a project where like last year's gift was a uh, a coffee tumbler like those those popular coffee or tumblers now thermoses that are like a thin um thin aluminum wall kind of mm -hmm. uh, tumbler and this year they're kind of doing that experience again but it's a peppermint mocha chocolate that's in the shape of that coffee tumbler so it looks like exactly like a miniature version of last year's gift it's really cute that is cute concept. uh so how often do you guys uh introduce new uh products are you are your is your team kind of always coming up with new ideas is it evolving very quickly yeah, it's, it's constant. Um, and the new ideas are kind of come from two places. They come from the chefs. Um, and sometimes the designers kind of pushing the envelope and trying new things day to day, like the printers are always running. So our chefs are starting to become 3d designers themselves and like hobbyists. So, you know, they'll drop in a 3d print model that they've made to see like how it works. Some innovation comes from that. Some innovation is really targeted where we, ask ourselves like, okay, how can we work? How can we introduce more chocolate concepts? What are we going to do next? And we'll have like a focused R and D effort around it. And, um, the other area of innovation that the company benefits from is that our clients come to us and they ask for products that are a little bit novel and we've never done something like it. So then we do that R and D and assuming the flavor or something isn't proprietary to that client, we're able to use it for a future client. Um, you know, uh, yeah. so if, if we do, um, you know, a cayenne hot pepper garnish for a Bloody Mary for one client, you know, three months later, um, we can, you know, describe it to another client. They might think, oh, that's perfect. I'd like to try that. This is actually a good example of exactly that. Like these hollow, um, uh, beer cans and wine cans were originally for one client, but now they've been used again and again for other clients. So, um, we originally did these beer cans actually as like a taller tall boy for an energy drink. And we thought they looked so cool and precise that we made them into our own beer concept. And, um, other companies have come forward and say, you know, we love this aluminum can concept. Can you, yeah, put I thought the same it? thing when I saw this, look at this top view. I mean, the, the, I'm so glad we were looking at that. Yeah, yeah I mean, that the, came out. The, the top portion of this really looks authentic. It's very impressive. And this is not a rendering. Yeah. So I don't mind that sometimes we show renderings because we're pretty careful with the accuracy. And you can see, like, 
if anything, like the coloration here is incredible, right? It is. And uh, it's a fun experiment to think like, okay, how much detail do we add on an object that's this small to make it really read as the object? Because if you put all the detail in, it starts to look a little strange, but if you can dial it back a little bit to the right level, um, it becomes really recognizable as the object. Yeah. And it's a really fun experience as a designer to get that right. Very nice, very nice. And so the, the outer portion that we're seeing, that comes out as sort of a, a hard shell that dissolves, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's a hard dissolvable shell. A lot of people tell us that it tastes or kind of tastes and experiences like meringue. So if you mm. can picture meringue as like, it's kind of hard. It would like almost shatter if you dropped it from a foot high. But mm. when you eat it, your experience isn't really that it's hard. It's sort of like brittle but melts. And it, it has it that melts brittle so easily, but melts yeah. characteristic. Yeah. It yeah, also okay. reminds me of dehydrated marshmallows, like from mm. a Lucky Charm. So a meringue or dehydrated marshmallow is like a little okay. bit of the effect. And when you merge that, like the chefs understand this really intuitively, but when you complement that brittle, um, meltable experience with something rich and fatty, um, like a chocolate ganache, it's just like a super, it's a great experience. Okay. <laughs> and so uh, yeah, it's a fun compliment. Oh, this discussion is making me hungry. <laughs> no uh, yeah, so much, so much interesting stuff here. And I noticed that a lot of these, uh, you have a whole section for vegans and that makes sense. A lot of these would be vegan aside from the fillings mm -hmm. that you might put in there. Mm -hmm. But, mm -hmm. um, what, is, what is the, the shell itself, sugar, water, and then there was some other component to that, right? I, I saw it somewhere on your site. Uh, um, yeah. In the water, um, we do, we have ethanol in the water, but that really like evaporates out in the mm -hmm. process of the 3D printing and in the uh, sugar matrix, the it's sugar and then also maltodextrin. That's what Maltodextrin was, yeah. is like a, a starch um, that it can be sweet, but in our case, um, it doesn't really add much sweet perception. Okay, okay. And so what is what is that doing to you? Is that kind of a binding agent? Um, yeah, I think like the, the way to think about it is the, the interplay between the powdered ingredients is, is what creates, um, a reliable 3d print. So in one sense, I mean, like a lot of, um, food that that's, that's, um, that's created, uh, we use standard ingredients, but we source them really carefully and we mill them really precisely so that in fact, they're kind of a highly engineered product. And that's a lot like, you know, a pizza dough would be like really refined, um, highly ground up dough. Or if you think about um, a macaron, right, the shell of that macaron is not bread flour, it's actually almond flour and it's ground to a specific level. So to get certain effects in um, baking, you really need to have a good control over your sourcing and milling and mixing. And so the end result is this ingredient uh, the sugar ingredient that is highly reliable, highly repeatable, creates a strong object that's not going to break um, in shipping or as you're handling it. And it creates a really white surface. And the white surface is important because we want to add color. So if you want right. to do color mixing, you need that white background for the colors to appear accurate. Got it. Okay. Well, if you don't mind, I'd like to jump over to the other site here. This is your current sure. 3D site. And I, mm -hmm. I wanted to go to this because this page here of Social Impact really uh, caught my attention. I wanted to talk a little bit more about this. It says on this page, the digital storage, distribution, and 3D printing of food will have a massive impact on sustainability and wellness. 
Then it goes on to uh, talk about the transitioning to plant proteins and using personalized functional ingredients. I wonder if you could talk to us more about this vision and how you see this impacting things going forward. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people that are in the 3D printing space, so I'll just address wellness first and then, I'm sorry, I'll just address sustainability first and then wellness and they, they kind of interplay a little bit. But I yeah. think a lot of people in the 3D printing space who have been here for five years or more, have this intuition about how 3D printing can impact sustainability. And it's very true in the food space. So what we're seeing is that by having 3D printers distributed that are all part of our network, we can offer and really leverage sustainability. The way food is made right now um, is that, right? You, you need to, first of all, ship on a truck or a train all the ingredients to one area and then you add water and you kind of bake it in and create that object, but then you have to ship that back out with all of that water weight. We wanna really upend that food distribution um, with digital distribution. And what that looks like is a, a lot of satellite 3D printers that are uh, regionally dis distributed, and we have this digital library that I described earlier Right, so we don't need to have our manufacturing process tied to a physical plant. We can download and email that file that's going to be needs to be printed in Atlanta, not uh, Southern California, and that manufacturing plant doesn't need to like have all this uptime to or downtime to like re-engineer their manufacturing line and make it work for them. The 3D printer manages all of that, so they can print locally. Right, we've just eliminated half of that distribution process. But then if you're able to use sustainable ingredients on site in Atlanta that are local to Atlanta, you're redoubling that sustainability potential. So that is a huge potential cool. of this technology. We're really aware of it. We want to, do, to have more kitchens regionally located, partner kitchens and even kitchens that are our own. So that's a huge part of it. It, um, it is, and it, it sounds very familiar because the messaging is is very much aligned with what we hear from others in the 3D printing mm -hmm. industry, where it, essentially the idea is, is producing what you need, where you need it, when you need it, exactly. as opposed to yeah. having things in warehouses and shipping. But I've never contemplated this aspect that you mentioned of, of eliminating that, that water weight from the, the mm -hmm. shipping process. That's, that's really brilliant, and I can see how that would have a major impact in food distribution and, and uh, sustainability. It's yeah, and it gets into food security, too, because um, in an urbanized America where more people are kind of concentrated into single areas, um, uh, dehydrated food is just, it's actually with us all the time. Sometimes I think as um, consumers, we think, oh, dehydrated food is like a little thing in a Ziploc bag, and I don't interact with a lot, like maybe dehydrated fruit. But actually, almost all of our food that is made is also dehydrated at some stage. And that's to make it shelf stable and long lived. So um, we're really familiar. Like if you go through a pantry, right? You have a lot of dehydrated seeds up there, dehydrated rice, <laughs> dehydrated essentially flour, right? And all of those ingredients have a long shelf life. And that's really important for uh, food security because you can store that and use it as you need it. Um, it doesn't have to come fresh and be like uh, a perfect um, flow of ingredients, so to speak. And then um, reaching a little further into sustainability, we have an effort right now to uh, come up with a completely new matrix that's not sugar-based, but is plant protein-based. And we're working with lentil. 
Um, we've got yeah. some good results with that and we have a little bit farther to go to make it like really, really reliable for all our customers. Um, so we want to introduce that. And that's very exciting. Yeah, I, I just that's super cool. Plant proteins. You know, I, I'm sure there's others listening in here that are the same way. By now, a lot of people have had a chance to try, you know, an Impossible Burger, mm -hmm. Impossible Whopper. I, I love them. I, I, I prefer Me them to too. the originals at this point. And uh, it's very exciting to see how this technology could play into that and make more of that available. I, I think that's that's an exciting trend to see. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I'm a consumer just like you are. I'm so excited to finally see um, plant proteins being like kind of taking. Uh, seriously and, and finally like replacing meat i have impossible in the freezer right now that we cook up all That's the time right. i love it and i think um you know current looks a little different than a company like impossible impossible is doing something so important which is kind of doing this one-to-one -one replacement with a product right. you know with a new product that's an alternative current is slightly different because we're a technology that um enables new ingredients um, and so we don't create a hero product that's like a 3D printed shrimp. We would rely on another company like, like Impossible to come to us and say, all right, we've got this concept for, um, uh, what do you call it? Like beef jerky, but let's, let's yep. plant jerky. Like let's make this product together. We would help companies do that. Um, so uh, that way we're leveraging like their expertise and branding and marketing and understand what um, it takes to build like a complete new SKU that can just be globally distributed. So we need to make, um, you know, a new printable matrix that they're able to leverage. Uh, and so that's, that's, that's the point of this lentil matrix. Very nice. And then, and then uh, in personalized. Yeah. yeah let's talk about that. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is super important. Um, um, I mean, wellness ingredients, in uh, the minds of Americans is uh, has just like never been more powerful. People are really understanding that, uh, you know, in addition to, to pharmaceuticals, um, wellness is all around us and very accessible and it can be easily integrated into your life. Um, I take a, like a wellness supplement, which is um, uh, fiber, basically. Every morning I have like a shake with some fiber in it and it's like, it's changing my life, it's great. And there's so many other opportunities to do that. So we end up working on projects like this either in-house for, our, for ourselves. So we have this cool product, which is a tea product. So it's 3D printed lavender and rose, and you can melt that into tea. And it gives it this really aromatic effect. And it's cool because if you eat the little lavender candy, it's actually like really earthy and almost bitter. I actually kind of like it, but for most people's palate, it's too bitter. But it's so are you real lavender. The, the 3D printed component is actually the tea. That's what's actually making the tea. Or are you adding this to tea? You add it to tea. So it looks okay. like a little sugar cube. It's made okay. partly of sugar, but it's made mostly from dehydrated rose petals and dehydrated lavender petals. Um, oh. And it smells incredible. And once it is immersed in a tea, um, it's really fragrant and um, it, uh, it it's a really nice experience. And lavender has been shown over the last uh, five or six years with increasing that kind of momentum to be uh, to have an anti-anxiety component to yeah. it, um, which is pretty amazing. And so that's our first wellness product that we've introduced on the wellness um, in, in the wellness arena on Sugar Lab. But we have a lot of partner companies that are working with us under the current 3D umbrella to kind of expand that. So we have a client that is working with students 
and they're making school lunches. And we are making this dissolvable, fun figurine that looks like a cartoon character, kind of. And you can drop that into a student's water bottle, and it's going to add vitamin C and potentially other ingredients um, mm. for a more nutritious school lunch. And we've got another client that has um, ingredients including uh, ashwagandha, turmeric, which are all a part of this Ayurvedic diet, um, a golden yeah. tea or like a golden milk kind of concept and all of that and more potential is really possible with this 3d printing technology that is yeah that's very exciting so when i saw that component here about the personalized functional ingredients it actually kind of reminded me of uh where people have been talking about the the future of you know 3d printing custom you know medicine drugs even where you'll mm -hmm. eventually these things will get to the point where where they can actually you know create custom compounds and things like that and this seems like an important step in that direction with the the nutrition side of being able to sort of customize your food to your particular needs um that's that's a pretty pretty exciting development yeah, I think you're exactly right. And um, we actually have a relationship with this really fascinating 3D printing company called Apresia, Apresia Pharmaceuticals. And they have a hardware technology that's really similar to ours. We both use that powder and binder system to manufacture our, um, our components. And we've been in a partnership over the course of the last year kind of exploring, okay, what, is it, what would it be like to use our technology um, uh, for potentially, you know, near pharma or pharma uh, ingredients. And yeah, what would like you a like tasty to use? delivery vehicle. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and it, one of the areas where you see this is like for children, right? Um, I don't have kids myself, but all of my friends have toddlers like, or kids between like five and two. And for the first 10 years of a kid's life, it could be actually kind of difficult to swallow a pill. And uh, that can be a struggle. And so a dissolvable pharmaceutical makes all the sense in the world. And what if it had like a fun shape to it? It looked like a strawberry slice that somebody is familiar with. Um, right. And that's just for um, uh, kids, but adults can benefit from that as well. So in the elderly, sometimes a common problem is uh, actually swallowing certain densities. So that could be modified with a dissolvable 3D print. Um, just the, we're really at the beginning of something there. It is, yeah, and so that's a, a common sort of thread that I hear running throughout this that it shares with other aspects of 3D printing, which is that aspect of customization, where, mm -hmm. where it opens up this huge range of customizing possibilities that, that maybe weren't available with previous methods. So that's it's very cool to see that applied here in, in, in this new area. Well, this is really fascinating. I want to tell people where they can go if they want to learn more. Uh, would these be the two websites to point people to, Kyle? Yeah, yeah, Sugarly. SugarLab3D.com and Current3D.com. And definitely check us out on Instagram. We're at SugarLab3D. And that's probably where like the most fun, up-to-date projects are going to be posted. Excellent. And let's call attention to the spelling on the Current3D website. Oh, thank you. C-U-R-R-A-N-T3D.com <laughs> for those that might be listening and not watching. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. Thanks so much, Kyle. And I really hope we can check back with you in the near future to hear about all the new things you've been up to. I would. Yeah, uh, it was great to meet you, Jeremy. And if you're in Los Angeles, let us know. You should come check out the hardware in person. I would love to. That sounds like a, a definitely a, a fun visit. So. It is. Yeah, it is. Thanks for your time, Kyle. It's been a lot of fun. 
Thank and you. Thanks everyone for watching and listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks everyone. Bye.